0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where we pause for a moment to honor the 400,000 Americans who have died from COVID-19. We hit that grim milestone on Donald Trump's last full day in office. Now, despite the shortage of vaccines, the governor is expanding the number of places where you can sign up for a shot by using Publix pharmacies to administer the vaccinations.
1: So this will then bring us to a total statewide of 220 Publix pharmacies across 17 counties that'll be offering these shots to our seniors.
0: Ron DeSantis held press conferences in Jupiter, Cape Coral and Rockledge Tuesday to announce the public's expansion. He also vowed to limit shots to people who actually live here, while at the same time boasting that vaccine tourism only proves
1: he's doing something right. What does it say? I mean, we're obviously doing a good job of getting senior shots if people are willing to come here from all over the place. The environmental group
0: 1000 Friends of Florida reveals its agenda for the upcoming legislative session. They admit the budget shortfall created by the COVID crisis will make it much harder to find money for conservation programs.
2: And that's projected at two to three billion dollars. That seems like an awful lot of money and it is. But also remember that while it's significant,
0: Um, It's not insurmountable. But the budget crisis could actually help environmentalists who are trying to derail MCORs, the plan to build three new toll roads through some of the last undeveloped areas of Florida.
3: MCORs could cost more than $26 billion to build. MCORs, because of its price tag, could create a giant sucking sound of tax and toll dollars from Floridians for decades to come.
0: Today on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear the governor talking about one of his top priorities for the upcoming session. Ron DeSantis wants to take on the tech elites who slapped misinformation warnings on the president's Twitter feed during the campaign and pulled the plug on his social media when he spread unfounded allegations of voter fraud. DeSantis says they interfered in the election by gagging conservatives.
1: And then what you've seen so far in January, I think, is really, really chilling. Now, what Twitter did to the president, he's the president of the United States. That's obviously a big deal, and I don't want to minimize that. But I can tell you what really bothered me was how they decapitated this company parlor.
0: We'll also check out your calendar of political events and close the show with a story of a Florida man who says he ignored the cop chasing him because he had to get home to mom. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, January 20th. It's the dawn of a new era in Washington, D.C. But way back in 1868, this was the day the Florida Constitutional Convention met in Tallahassee to begin work on a new Constitution. It was part of the deal to rejoin the Union after the Civil War. This is also National DJ Day, which celebrates the work of your favorite disc jockeys. And one in particular, his name is Alan Freed. He was the 1950s jock who coined the phrase rock and roll. On Donald Trump's last full day as president, Johns Hopkins University reported America's death toll from coronavirus broke the 400,000 mark. More than 24 million cases have now been confirmed here in the States. In Florida, the death toll rose to 24,820 after the health department reported 163 additional fatalities and 9,800 newly confirmed cases of COVID-19. Governor DeSantis crisscrossed the state Tuesday holding three different press conferences to announce vaccines will be available at more Publix pharmacies. He began in Jupiter.
1: My view is, is look, when things work, you want to follow through that. If people are satisfied, you want to do it. Uh, so we feel that there's been great satisfaction here. We also feel like there's been great satisfaction in some of the drive-through testing sites that we've done, whether it's Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, whether it's at the Villages in, in Central Florida, at the big senior community there, or some of the county health. Uh, sites We've gotten some great feedback about what's going on in Martin County, for example, and some other great places. We also like the Houses of Worship, being able to bring these on Sundays to Houses of Worship. We've done a lot of African-American churches, uh, so we're going to continue to want to do there. So. This has really picked up a lot of momentum. I think if you look nationwide, we had a few days as a country where we were over a million shots uh, in one day. And obviously, Florida, we've had days where we've done over 80,000 shots in one day when we were planning this, we figured, hey, if we could get up to 50,000 a day and really do that, that would be a good clip. We're uh, we're, we're much beyond that when we have the supply. So Publix is here in Palm Beach and Martin counties, as well as Monroe. Uh, you can start signing up on Wednesday, and uh, on Thursday, uh, the shots will begin. A few hours later, the governor was in Cape Coral to announce shots will be available at Publix pharmacies
0: in Lee and Charlotte counties.
1: Starting Thursday, Publix will be offering shots at all 32 Publix pharmacy locations in Lee County. But that's not all. Uh, we're also going to do seven Publix pharmacies in neighboring Charlotte County. And so they'll be able to offer it in Charlotte County as well, which is really, really good. So this will then bring us to a total statewide of 220 Publix pharmacies across 17 counties that'll be offering these shots to our seniors and I just want to stress the way they do it at Publix is by appointment only you go on the, the website and you're able to do it and it's Publix.com slash COVID vaccine uh, for more information on how to get it uh, but but we are, we're excited about this we now have this really in all corners of the state, and it's something that we very well may uh, do statewide if we're able to have enough vaccine on hand. Then the
0: governor flew to Rockledge to announce vaccinations will be offered at 22 Publix pharmacies in Brevard County. Shots are still reserved for seniors, and the governor says they will not be offered to non-residents. But he does take a certain amount of pride in the stories about people from other states traveling to Florida because they can't get
1: vaccinations where they live. What does it say? I mean, we're obviously doing a good job of getting senior shots if people are willing to come here from all over the place. I mean, you know, they you know, there were people I read. There was one guy was like, yeah, you know, if I was in you know another state, I wouldn't have even been eligible for this. And so, um, you know, we're not going to do that. We're not doing vaccine tourism. But I do think it does show that that folks uh, understand that when the experts were saying to do the workers first, Florida put seniors first and now people are starting to follow uh, what we're doing. So I think it's going to make a big difference. I mean, uh, if you look at, uh, you know, the number of people we're vaccinating, we keep doing it, uh, man, that's going to, I think it's going to save a lot of lives. And the thing is, is, you know, this thing's got a cycle to it naturally. And so if you wait on the seniors, you know, there's going to be some, some time there where they're going to be some of them may be exposed. So we're working to get as many done as possible and, um, and I think that that's gonna prove to be, to be the right strategy.
0: Of course, the big question now is, when will there be enough shots for people under the age of 65? DeSantis says that will not happen until new vaccines have been approved.
1: I think it depends on how much vaccine we get. And um, I think you've seen Johnson & Johnson has now had some preliminary data about their one dose uh, vaccine. We anticipate that uh, potentially getting an emergency use uh, authorization sometime in February. Now, the production on that, I actually talked to Steve Hahn, the FDA commissioner, I think on Friday, Thursday or Friday, and um, just asked him how it was going. He, he, he was very optimistic about the efficacy, but I, uh, we're not sure, I guess, exactly the production. But if they produce that at a, at a wide scale, that's one dose, doesn't require a deep freeze. And so that would be something that you would be able to probably get out into the broader the broader workforce Uh, but that's going to be dependent on when it's a what the data says ultimately when it's approved and then how many doses are available we are anticipating from talking with Warp Speed over the last week or so that Florida will start getting more on a weekly basis than we've been getting. We've been getting basically about 265,000 between Pfizer and Moderna. But as the numbers I cited you, the first two full weeks that we've done it, we've been 350 and over 400. So we clearly can do it. So I think they're going to give us more just naturally because there's going to be more vaccine. But then I also think if they stick to this idea of the places with higher senior populations uh, get more and viewing it that way, then that obviously helps us because we have 21 percent of our state is 65 and over. There's a lot of other states, even some large states, that are much less than that. So that'll be helpful for us. So we may be at the point where, as we get to the end of February, you have a Johnson and Johnson, and you have some of these other things.
0: The governor is also rejecting Joe Biden's plan to use FEMA to bring vaccines to local pharmacies. He calls them FEMA camps that would add more layers of bureaucracy. DeSantis says that's not necessary in Florida. All he wants is more vaccine. Legislative delegations in Martin, Pasco, Hamilton and Okaloosa counties are meeting today to prepare for the legislative session that begins in March. They're not the only ones gearing up. The environmental group called 1,000 Friends of Florida has unveiled its priority list for the 2021 session, including funding for the purchase of conservation lands, strengthening the Clean Waterways Act, and restoring the Ocklawaha River by removing the Rodman Dam. But Lester Aberger, who runs the Leroy Collins Institute for Public Policy at FSU, says the budget shortfall created by the COVID crisis will overshadow just about everything they do this year. The state is facing a $3 billion hole in the budget. Aberger says that is significant, but not insurmountable, because there are ways to plug that hole, uh,
2: one of those would be to use uh, uh, money that's in the state uh, rainy day fund, uh, which is uh, used for emergencies. Obviously, uh, the tension there is we want to be careful about de- depleting that fund uh, in the event of a hurricane or some other kind of natural uh, disaster. But there is there are funds available. Uh, for emergencies. And that is an option that the legislature has. Furthermore, uh, the legislature and uh, particularly the Senate president has expressed some interest in renegotiating uh, the gambling compact with the Seminole Tribe of Florida. Uh, If that could be done successfully, that could yield some uh, $400 million in new revenues. And finally, uh, and importantly, the uh, full implementation of the collection of the Internet sales tax. Uh, again, there appears to be among some legislators uh, and important appropriators uh, an appetite for at least giving this serious consideration. Uh, estimates are that could yield uh, somewhere north of seven hundred uh, million dollars. Um, Florida is one of only nine states uh, that doesn't that, that hasn't fully implemented the. Uh, The sales, uh, internet sales tax collection. Uh, Texas implemented it uh, just a few years ago and it is yielding uh, $1.3 billion billion into that state's uh, coffers. Of course, the other, uh, uh, the final option uh, implicit, I suppose, in these remarks is. Uh, that the legislature can cut spending they could cut two
0: billion dollars in spending the budget shortfall could actually help them on another priority 1000 friends of florida chairman paul owens says it could convince lawmakers to stall the plan to build three very expensive toll roads known as m cores multi-use corridors of regional economic significance the bill was approved in 2019 and owen says a lot has changed since then
3: MCORES is the proposed network of three toll roads authorized by lawmakers in 2019 that would connect Collier County in the south to Jefferson County in the north. These roads would cut through some of Florida's last best natural lands. And the roads and the development they would spawn would threaten waterways, wetlands, uh, working farms, distinctive small towns, and wildlife habitat, including for the Florida panther. There may be as much of a financial as an environmental imperative for legislators to revisit MCORs in the upcoming session. The is slated to receive more than $100 million next year just for planning and design expenses. Over its first five years, MCORs would receive more than $750 million at a time – that's three-quarters of a billion dollars – at a time when legislators are struggling to close a two-year, $3.3 billion gap in the budget, and road fees are expected to run $1.5 billion short over five years. Last week, the Senate's budget Chief Kelly Stargell was asked about MCORs, and she said, we just don't have the funds. Ultimately, based on the construction cost for another highway built through an environmentally sensitive region, the Wekaiva Parkway, MCORs could cost more than $26 billion to build. MCORs, because of its price tag, could create a giant sucking sound of tax and toll dollars from Floridians for decades to
0: come. Next up on the Sunrise Soapbox, the governor says Florida will join in the effort to stop social media from censoring conservatives. Joe Biden takes the oath of office today, but Governor Ron DeSantis says things would be different if tech giants hadn't interfered in the campaign by censoring conservatives and putting warning labels on the president's tweets before banning him completely. So as Biden takes office, DeSantis is looking for payback.
1: You have a situation where in the election, I was very disturbed to see uh, credible, articles about Hunter Biden actively suppressed uh, by these big tech oligarchs uh, in a way that I think absolutely had an impact uh, on the presidential election. And so I'm thinking to myself, big tech, they could actually suppress this information and that is just simply okay. Uh, That is election interference if you wanna talk, if you wanna be honest about it, and that's something that really needs to be addressed. And so I thought that that was important. It bothered me. We were working on ways, you know, what can we do to, uh, to protect people on that? And then what you've seen so far in January, I think is really, really chilling. Now, what Twitter did to the president, he's the president of the United States, that's obviously a big deal, and I don't want to minimize that. But I can tell you what really bothered me was how they decapitated this company, parlor. Uh, you have this, it always said, hey, it's a market. You don't like Twitter, create your, own, uh, create your own competitor. Well, they did that. And then what happened? Parler was gaining all these users because people understood that Twitter was censoring conservative speech and basically siding with the incoming administration against the outgoing. Uh, people started taking their business there. And so what did they do? Not only did Apple drop them, not only did you have other things, they took them off the web server from Amazon. The lawyers quit. They couldn't even do this. This was a coordinated assault on a company that was trying to compete. And so I think about that and say, okay, if they can do that, that means the big tech oligarchy is in some ways, in many ways, more powerful than the government itself. You're serving as judge, jury, and executioner with no due process, and you could effectively wipe someone's livelihood right off the map. I mean, just think about someone that has a, has a business where they use the internet to sell things and social media to advertise, and they have text messaging and email and all this stuff. And then, they were at a Trump rally six months ago, and that upset some woke staffers at Facebook or one of these tech companies, and so then they say, we've gotta do, we've gotta silence this person. And so then the social media does it, and then they take away their text, and then they take away their email. Uh, That could totally ruin somebody's existence. And so what's the due process for that? So I think that there needs to be protections for people. Uh, I don't think we can have a couple of these far left-wing tech oligarchs control the flow of information in our country. Uh, I'm not going to accept that, and I don't think any of you are going to accept that. So we're thinking through what we can do to provide people some protections, but just think about when you're doing like a campaign, you're sending emails out, you're doing text messaging, you obviously do social media, you do all these things. What's to stop them in October of 2022 saying they don't like one of the candidates and they're just gonna deplatform them off everything? What would, what would the recourse be? I'm not sure there's any recourse right now under law. Even if there was, by the time you sued, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't be done and wouldn't make much of a difference. And so they have really opened, I think, Pandora's box on this. Um, and I was somebody that even before this was concerned about it. I supported the, the 230, um, uh, all that stuff when I was in Congress to uh, to repeal it. Um, but uh, I think we're in uncharted waters. And, and I think we need to really think deeply about If we are a disfavored class based on our principles, based on having conservative views, based on being a Christian, based on whatever you can say that is not favored in Silicon Valley, and if we can be shut up and we can be deplatformed, that is, yes, they're not under the First Amendment traditionally, because they're not government, Uh, but that is, to me, implicating core First Amendment freedoms and values. And I want a society in which we have a robust flow of information, and so we're going to take action. I think it's probably the most important uh, legislative issue that we're going to have to get right uh, this year and next year. And in Florida, we're in the fight. I mean, we we want to be uh, we want to be a part of the solution.
0: The governor spoke last week at a meeting of a conservative think tank called the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Now, Representative Anthony Sabatini has already filed a bill he calls the Stop Social Media Censorship Act. It would make it illegal for websites to block hate speech on their platforms, give individuals the right to sue for a minimum of $75,000, and give the state attorney general the right to file civil actions against social media companies. Your calendar of events begins at nine with a conference call meeting of the Florida Commission on Offender Review. The Martin County Legislative Delegation meets at 9 30 in Stewart. The Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9 30. The Emerald Coast Regional Council holds a board meeting at 11 30 in Shalimar. The Local Government Efficiency Task Force meets online at one. The Pasco Legislative Delegation meets at two in Newport Ritchie. Trustees of St. John's River State College meet at two in Orange Park. The Hamilton County Legislative Delegation meets at five in Jasper. The Lake Sumter State College trustees meet at five in Sumterville, and the Okaloosa County Legislative delegation meets at 5:30 Central Time in Shalimar. And finally, today, a Florida man who fled from police told them he was rushing to get home to his mother and was simply driving too fast to pull over safely. 18-year-old Nicholas DeBetes drove past several intersections where he could have stopped for the cops, but kept going until he reached a trailer park in Titusville, where he was arrested. The Florida man is charged with aggravated fleeing and eluding, reckless driving, and operating an unregistered vehicle. That last charge was added after officers discovered the license plate on his Hyundai was stolen. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we continue to plumb the depths of Florida politics.